Welcome to Whole Lot of Wolves, episode 19 of season three. We're your hosts. I'm Joshua Buckley. I'm Paul LePage. Joining us again from New York, Mr. Alex Patakis. How's it going, Alex? Good. What's up, guys? Good to see you again. And as our little Whole Lot of Wolves pack expands, we have a new guest tonight, Mr. Chris Fisher, who is based in Florida. Chris, how's it going? What's going on, gentlemen, everybody out there? Yeah, I'm here in sunny South Florida right now. So thank goodness no snow for us. The white stuff that we see uh, generally happens at the nightclubs down here closer to Miami. (laughs) Man, it was 80 degrees here yesterday in Houston. Alex, what was it up there? Uh, We were in like the low 40s, I think. It's not so bad. Mild winter, mild winter. Mild winter. (laughs) Well, Chris, uh, everybody would like to get to know you a little bit. So kind of tell us a little bit about your background and how you became a Wolves fan. Sure. Uh, Grew up on the other side of Florida. We like to call it the West Coast of Clearwater, Florida. And in my youth, I played club soccer or football for the Largo Wolves that were named and dedicated after our favorite football club, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, We had pretty much... This same patch, um, same badge, and uh, all our kits were the same for Umbro at the time as our beloved Wanderers. So uh, that was really cool. Um, my head coach pretty much taught me all about that club, and I fell in love with it, following it just from newspaper clippings um, and box scores as a kid. And, uh, you know, that love of kind of football and soccer and, and American football and everything in general – it led me to becoming a, a sports reporter uh, for CBS. And I used to be a sideline reporter for the NFL on CBS. And uh, most recently here in South Florida with NBC. So uh, done some of the actual of the um, uh, got a chance to work alongside Rebecca Lowe and the two Robbies doing the pre and, and post game shows and stuff like that. So that was a lot of fun, but uh, it's fantastic to be able to sit here and have a chance to talk wolves with you gentlemen, because uh, it's, the only thing I really listen to are the podcasts on Wolves, and it's awesome. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. We're glad to have you. And your wife is English, so I know you guys uh, had a fun uh, Black Black Friday after Thanksgiving. Yes, absolutely. Boxing Day, she likes to say. And uh, big Tottenham Hotspur fan. She grew up in North London, right around the, the corner from White Hart Lane. So uh I have yet to be to the new Tottenham grounds inside it, but I have had a chance to be at White Hart Lane and uh, a very uh, fervent fan base there. So like the fact that I'm a Wolves fan, it kind of, it's kind of odd uh, being <laughs> in North London. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm sure. All right, guys. Well, uh, Alex, I'm sure you can just go ahead and put the E on the upload now for explicit. Uh, <laughs> Cause it's going to happen. We had a lot of games. There was a lot of excitement. A great result against, uh, you know, Everton. An okay result against Villa. You know, even Man U. There were positives. And then the Liverpool game happened, which we won. We won that game. And I have... I've seen bad calls in sports. I've never seen... A, I, I was trying to think, Alex, and maybe you can tell me the the closest I can think is the Saint, uh, the New Orleans Saints just getting robbed by the Rams on that pass interference call uh, that should have been in the NFC title game. I, I've 
I'm stunned. We've seen the video now. Wolves, that third goal should have been onside. Paul, I was I was fucking furious the rest of the day. How about you? Yeah, Mike fucking Dean and all his cronies, I think it was, <laughs> that you just get that situation where that they haven't got the camera angle. And then all of a sudden, either the next Bullshit. day or another <laughs> broadcaster suddenly appears with it. It's just... The, the consistency, and at least if you're going to bullshit people, get your story straight, or at least like get your ducks lined up in a row, because it's it's what pisses me off just about this offside rule in general, that mm-hmm. if that was offside and the line to him was really clear that it was, he should have given it straight away, and that's what really frustrates me about having, having the play play out, that... A, someone's going to get injured at one point, possibly, that an offside call is going to let to go carry on and something's going to happen. It's going to take a player out. Or, like Saturday, it's going to it's going to rule a goal out. Now, if that had happened and it was the pass to Toti and that was offside, no-brainer, obviously, that, that's mm-hmm. offside all day. But to bring it back to two passes before then, even, and then they bring it back all the way to that. It's just, it make, it makes no sense. It, it disrupts the game. It, it, it totally scuppers the, the flow and sucks the whole life out of it. So it, it, it just, I don't, just don't understand it as a fan how that can be even feasible. And Chris, you retweeted this. There was a great video of the referee pointing to the linesman to tell him to put the flag up. And then when the so-called, we don't have video angles, so let's go with what the linesman said, which he didn't even see clearly. I mean, it's, have you seen anything like this in all the time you've been in sports? No, not in professional sports. And as far as, you know, maybe in a college bowl game where you have a big, a big school going up against a little school. But, Josh, I know you're such a big college football fan that mm-hmm. – could you imagine Death Valley at LSU, Bama playing – LSU and they don't have a camera angle. We're talking about Anfield, which is one of the most prestigious football grounds in the entire world, and they don't have an angle on this. All the money that Liverpool has that they put into video production that we see on Twitter and everything else, they can't find a camera angle. It's such bullshit. And Mike Dean, who I do believe in the controversial factor of, mm-hmm. look, we saw it with FIFA just in the World Cup alone, how dirty it can be in this game. Mike Dean living that close to Liverpool and maybe not wanting to hear it. I do believe in the controversy quite a bit. I mean, the way that referees have to be protected when they leave the grounds, whether it is an NFL game, whether it's a soccer game or football game, it doesn't matter. It's there's a little bit to be said there that they do have a fear for their lives. And yeah, he was on the VAR call. So he was stuck in a booth all game, but you know, the referee pointing, I still think this is a, a top six club situation and they got the better of it. I do look at, and I hate to say this because it is messy. I go back to the World Cup, and you look at some situations where it almost seemed predestined by Qatar to have Mbappe versus Messi in the final. And it seemed like a lot of things seemingly went that way when it came to referees. And it seemed to work out very well for Liverpool at Anfield. And look at Jurgen Klopp's post-match comments. I mean, mm-hmm. he was almost at a loss for words. And the fact that he couldn't, he didn't want to admit too much because he thinks they got away with one. And I think the refs really screwed the wolves on this one. And, and join, uh, you uh, join Lapatigi's uh, 
response on the sideline, the way that he just went after the referees. I mean, it's justified, absolutely justified. Mm -hmm. Paul, I think what was most disappointing is it wasn't like that would have even been a fluky win for Wolves. Wolves absolutely earned that. I mean, went up on, um, you know, just the absolute brain fart by Allison, but then they fell down 2-1 and charged back, took the lead, and and were still playing for the win, which I love to see with Lopetegui. I think that's what's most disappointing for Wolves. It's kind of heartbreaking because they deserved it. Definitely. I, I was looking back and, and thinking about the game, and really I, I was struggling to think of the saves that Sarchic had to make versus what Allison had to do, like, uh, on out near his one way he came mm -hmm. through and shot straight at him or even Gwedez's shot from distance that he had to parry away. So I yeah. think as a, a performance and especially away from home at Anfield with a lot of rotation that they, they really showed up and, and they really played. And it was so frustrating that you get a lot of criticisms about that rotation policy, but when it actually works and, shows you that, hey, we've got a squad or we've got some kids that could come in and not look out of place for 90 minutes. Or you could get the likes of Johnny coming back in and doing well and even Raul being in a position to start, never mind his output. That there's some, There are some positives there in terms of squad depth and, and what we can do if it all clicks. So personally, I don't think we're too far away from that happening. It was just a shame that that wasn't a building block on Saturday that a, a win and a path into the next round could have really built on. And we'll kind of get into the trends we're seeing from Lopetegui through these first uh, few games, but let it, we have to talk about the Everton game on Boxing Day. I was driving to Alabama and was in the middle of the interstate in Jackson, Mississippi and nearly crashed my car because uh, don't tell anybody I was watching the video while I was driving. <laughs> watching the live stream uh Chris was that just that feeling watching that goal like hey this this feels like a different Wolves team oh completely I mean ever since Lapetegui has taken over I just think he has not so much commanded respect but I think the players themselves seeing his resume the stature that man has carried himself since he's arrived the way that the community is grasped onto him. If you've seen some of the Twitter pictures and videos out there, it, it's just, there's, you were starting to see it in the play. And that, as Paul just said, I mean, they're kind of turning a corner right now. And it's, it's pretty evident. It's not just in the style of play, but it's the attitude in which they play with. They're more aggressive. They're pressing that style. We weren't seeing that with Bruno. And the simple fact was early on in the season, these guys, they're, uh, not their health, not their health so much, but just their stamina wasn't there in the way that they played. And that has completely changed ever since the World Cup. So the way that they're playing under Lapetegui right now, the high press attacking, you know, even, you know, Matinho, I mean, he's been rejuvenated all of a sudden, kind of being a quarterback out there. I think it's very exciting. And I, I think you're absolutely right, Josh. This team's not too far away from really turn a you know, uh, really applying it on the field even more and picking up those three points as they go. How about you, Paul? I mean, that was a big three points. Obviously, the next two games only able to get one point out of them, but that, those weren't necessarily unexpected results. 
how excited were you to see just those three points and really a must-win game against Everton? It was at the time to to come back into the program and, and have it kick off again. And it was a statement, not in a way that this is a whole new, brand new walls and they're completely different because it wasn't perfect. And I think this new era, it, it's going to take a while to be perfect. But there was the sort of nuances like having the substitutions at a, a proper time during the game and, and actually make a wit like a difference and having a sub pop up with a winner, even to the extent that it may have been more of a, a defensive decision to say, well, let's go to five at the back and at least not hit, not come away with nothing. So to make that switch and then come away with a win was fantastic. I think for his first league game, the other two, um, I think if you wrap up all three games, you'd have probably taken four points as par, I think, over the Christmas period. So as a body of work, I'm fairly satisfied. I thought at times, first half versus the Villa, we, we were fantastic. And my my only negative out of that game, really, that first 45 minutes, is that we were really in the ascendancy. And if we could have turned it up just a notch or two more or had those players at our disposal, if we'd have got another goal, they could have easily crumbled and we'd, we'd have gone on to win it. And they probably made the tactical change to see that in the second half. And that's what made them stronger. And unfortunately, we've not got that now yet to, to close a game like that out. But away from home versus a local rival, uh, big game, big atmosphere. You, you, you're pretty pleased coming away from Villa Park and not losing. And Chris, I, I think there was some positives you could take even from the Manchester United game, even though they uh, lost 1-0, I felt like you could at least see there was a plan in place. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going back to Paul's point, the substitutions have been lacking for a while now with this club. And Lapetegui in two games has really utilized that that you know rule put in place this year to be able to use the five substitutions, uh, whether it's going to five at the back sometimes. Manchester, they didn't come out their strongest, it felt like, at Man U, but at the same time, to and to give up that Rashford goal, you know, that was really dejecting and heartbreaking there. But I think they had their chances. Did the substitutions completely work at that time? No. But I do think it's also a learning process with a team, uh, a new team, new coach, or, you know, new coach, new team situation. So I like the fact that he's gambling, though. I like how Lopetegui's going in there and he's giving it everything he's got. He's throwing the kitchen sink at it to see what fits, what works, who can handle the moment, because we've got a lot of young guys who are stepping in. Look at Joe Hodge and the way that he's playing. Uh, the kid they just signed the other day, lot lot go ahead, help me out here. Lattisaka? Yeah. Lattisaka. Uh, All right, here we go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, but – it's just you look at these guys, and I know I'm going to get lambasted for saying that wrong, but still, it's you look at. These oh, you can just join the club with me. I say I'm all wrong, so it's fine. The the way that these kids are stepping up and playing, and just the way you know the veterans are are stepping up and playing, uh, it, it's been great to see Manchester United. Unfortunately, I think we should have earned a draw in that game. To walk away with a point would have been fantastic, but uh, we sit with four points after these first three games, you know, in, in the Premier League right now coming out uh it, it's not only needed but it shows that we're trending 
it wouldn't be a whole lot of wolves episode without a mention of Adama. Um, Alex, as a fellow Adama stan, do you feel like Lopetegui has finally been the one that figures out how to use him where you bring him in at halftime and just let him loose? This is what I do in FIFA all the time, and it works great. So, I mean. It's, look, I'm not trying to diminish how difficult it is to be a manager in the Premier League, but sometimes it's not rocket science. You bring the really fast, physically gifted guy on who can only really run at people when those people are tired. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I think it's 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 worked. He put a good ball in, too, against Liverpool. Mm -hmm. um, nobody got on the end of it, like. It sounds silly to just be satisfied when he gets like a decent cross in and there's no end result. But um, I think there's something there. And I think that he's probably actually weighing whether or not he should stay at Wolves. And it's probably going to let this ride out a little bit longer with Lopetegui because maybe he can rejuvenate him. And all of a sudden you're a key piece of a top half of the, you know, table team in the best league in the world. He uh he had a great ball in against Leverton uh, against Everton too uh, that Diego Costa almost screwed up but he didn't. <laughs> um, Paul, I mentioned during the Liverpool game that seeing Adama play defense really shows the impact Lopetegui is having already. Did you kind of think that as well? I think bigger picture, it's been really fascinating to see and quite refreshing that he's also experimenting with formation so mm -hmm. to see it at what was a genuine 442 or at least a 4411 with it with a number 10 and, and perhaps Geddes playing in his most natural position that seemed like a breath of fresh air so does that factor into what Alex mentioned about weighing it all up and Adama's given more specific roles that he's more of a right winger in in the, in the old school sense that you you go up and down that right-hand side, that, that's your job up and down your attack, but you're also going to come back and help you help you right back out and you're going to dovetail with that right back being attacking at the same time. So it could be an opportunity to give him a, a new lease of life, both under a different coach and under a different ask of what his role is within the team. Chris, I think Josh, another... I oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm a huge Adama fan, Okay. Probably my favorite player in the entire world, honestly. I look at him almost like not just a linebacker or a running back. I mean, he's he's kind of like a tight end. I mean, mm -hmm. he commands two people all the time. He frees, frees up everybody else, you know, who whatever attacker's out there. He's just a unique player in the, in the world's game. And I don't understand why people don't like him. I mean, I understand, like you said, about the defensive aspect – and now he's starting to show it, but he's just a freak. And it, when you have that type of athletic talent, I don't understand how people don't respect him. I have my thoughts on why people don't like him, but I'll leave that for off, uh, ah, off okay. podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. Another guy whose role I think we should be looking at as far as if it's changing is uh, our boy Sideshow Bob, Brian Aitneree who may be converting into a winger midfielder hybrid. Chris, do you like that idea? I love it. I mean, if you look at his speed, the way that he dribbles with the ball, uh, you know, at his feet, I, he's always been that uh, attacking guy on the left side. And so obviously he's been supplanted by Hugo Bueno, but when he has been on the pitch, he has flashed. And especially in this uh, two games ago where he was able to carry the ball, 
into the 18-yard box. Um, he put a shot on at Anfield. No luck there. Maybe he has to get uh, better eyes on the goal sometime. I don't know. A little more awareness as he gets closer to the box. But he's got such speed, such skill with the ball. I, I love that. And you guys have kind of alluded to this. It seems like when they initially, when Sellers and she brought in some of these guys, whether it's Guedas, Nunez, they weren't be u- being used in their natural position. Lapatigi has now said, you know what? Screw you, uh, Bruno's playbook. You guys are going to play where you're meant to play, and that's the way it is. And they have flourished already in being in those positions. And Ryan Atnuri is, I mean, getting back to your question, he's he's one of those guys, yes, he can expand his game a little bit because there's so many different elements. He seems like such a smooth runner when he's playing on offense. It's really fun to watch him. Uh, Paul, do you think he's going to give uh, Neves a run for his money for best hair now when he's gliding on offense? Or is that still Neves's to lose? Yeah, definitely. You can't touch that man, bud, and the, the exquisite <laughs> protection of that footballing brain that it brings, so... Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Neves guy when it comes to haircuts. Yeah. Do you like uh, Aitnery, though, playing exclusively on the offensive side? Again, breath of fresh air. I think uh, being able to take a, a fresh look at players and see the talent within the squad and where it can be best utilised. And they may have, not through accident, but all of a sudden discovered that you've not got a 20, 30 million pound left back, but you've got a 40, 50, 60 million pound attacking left midfielder. So I think the opportunity it gives for more flexibility within that team, even if he's got more of a defensive mindset, playing as a a number seven on the left with a more attacking traditional winger on the right, just to to give that balance, but have the opportunity to pick up the ball deeper with his close control beat a couple of players and, and bring it through and, and lay a pass off potentially. I think it's phenomenal. It doesn't look like he's the, he would say he's the quickest in a in a one-on-one sprint, but put the ball at his feet is deceptively quick with that that skill and, and the turns that he's got at his disposal. So utilized in the right way, he could be a, a real surprise asset that no one's even picked up on. And Paul, do you really enjoy seeing uh Matthias actually in his proper role as well? In flourishing, but with that said, can him and Neves still work in tandem together? For the first part, definitely. That there's nothing better than having a player with his skill set pick up the ball, look up the pitch, and drive forward. He's got really good retention of the ball. He's comfortable be, being pressed. He he retains it. Either beats the man or he's able to knock it off. I think it, it it works phenomenally and it's just the type of midfielder that we've been looking out for that he can break the lines, he can put a ball through or he can he could go on himself. As a two, I'm I'm keen to see it. Now it really depends what the, the formation is, but I definitely see there's potential for a a four four three with Neves the more defensive minded. Nunes, the more complete midfielder, and that attacking midfielder that currently Moutinho is taking up that role. Now, long term, we know that's not feasible, that's not tenable based on his age. And even I don't think we can get 90 minutes out of him at the moment in terms of the work that that role needs to do in terms of pressing and supporting the attacker. But 
I definitely think there's a um, a balance there in a four four three. I definitely think there's a balance even with a a four four two or a four four one one, where we potentially more attacking that way and and Nunes and and Neves are in there as a, a as a midfield partnership. Chris, is there anybody else that you've seen so far that you've been impressed with under Lopetegui? Any guys standing out? I think Tony Gomez has really stepped up and impressed. Uh, coming in, you know, as that fifth guy on the back line there, kind of lent support late in the game. But not only – I mean, he, it should have been a goal. We all know it should have been a goal against Liverpool. But, you know, he's, he's really impressed, I think, um, a lot of the fan base as well because he's been getting a lot of uh, a lot of upbeat thoughts, if you will, on social media. Um, he he stepped up. I'm trying to think who else. Guedes, uh, okay, Giancarlo Guedes has really stepped up lately. I don't know if it's because he's playing more of a natural position, like you said, Allison gifted him a goal the other day, but he <laughs> kept going, and mm-hmm. and that's been the thing with him. He has not seemingly been interested but he was the one who continued on with the play against Liverpool. So you're like, okay, maybe he was unhappy in the last regime. And now he's finally figuring it out. So I think Guedes and Tony Gomez really, and Ryan Atnuri have really been the three guys who've been shining with Julian Lopetegui. And I mean, back to Nunez. Yes, of course, but so many guys have, it's been impressive. Um, I do think it's very safe to say that our number nine problem is as, strong as ever uh costa and raul both look cooked and i I hate to say that about raul because i love the guy um we did see cunha come in um which we we predicted 100 percent there paul good job (laughs) um do you think he's going to be the answer there at the number nine role or is he going to be playing a little off the ball i see him as a number nine and i think the the flashes that we've seen him in there just looks like there's a player there and it's, it's not, it won't click straight away. He's, he's got to get up to speed and everything. But I think as soon as he's ready, he's going to start. He, he may get a lot of minutes uh, this week and with potentially Saturday in mind that he get he starts to build up those minutes. But I see a number nine there, not an out-and-out um, Raul-type mold, mold. But I definitely see someone who's got um got the skill for it, got a turn of pace, is in and around where it matters, and has got some potential to to link up with the players either side of him, which I think we've been we've been lacking most recently. Yeah, we saw that a little bit with that second goal against Liverpool with uh his nice little uh give and go to Huang. Chris, do you think Cunha is going to be the answer there, or do we still need somebody else before the window shuts? No, I think we need somebody else. I think Cunha, yeah, he's he definitely shows, he flashes that he could be a number nine, but at the same time, I think we needed that taller presence. Um, Sasha Kalidas, who was supposed to bring, I think we need that guy who could be on the end of an Adama Traore cross, um, a more dominant physical presence, in the box, especially, you know, on set plays. So we we clearly don't have that right now. Diego Costa, yeah, he can be physical in the box, but he's just not getting ahead on it as much as he should. Um, I, I, I think they need to be in a market for a striker from what I'm seeing on Twitter. 
they will be active. I know they said initially they were planning on having three signings in prior to New Year's, but that hasn't played out. So you got to hope at this point, Matt Hobbs and Jeff Shee are trying to lure a number nine because in my opinion, and Paul, with all due respect, I see Cunha just being um, simply being um, another accent piece, another attacker that we could potentially put on the field. Uh, but as far as an out and out dominant number nine, I don't know if he's the guy and it may be just early. I don't know. Yeah, I wonder size wise. That's why I'm I'm curious to see how he's used there, just because he is built so differently than everybody else. Um, so we're talking transfer window here. Um, you know, day after Boxing Day, I've driven from Alabama. You know, I go to bed early. I wake up exhausted still, and my phone has like blown up with tweets and text messages, and I'm like, "What in God's name is going on?" And then I saw the report. Oh my God, Weston McKinnon possibly to Wolves uh, for Aitnery and some money. Obviously, Aitnery's kind of coming on now. Maybe not going to happen, but uh, Alex, I got to ask you, what was your first thought when you saw that report? I just, I just thought about you, honestly. <laughs> my first thought was what you were doing, where you know, like what what your reaction was. Um, and also, like, how viable is this actually? Um, it always seemed a little bit far fetched and it's cooled a little bit now, but I haven't seen him linked to a lot of other places recently either. So, and it seems like he's on his way out of Juventus at some point, one way or another. So, there's still hope. I, I think the best part was not only did I have a lot of the American people texting me and tweeting me, I had the English guys doing it too. <laughs> Stu, <laughs> Stu over there at uh, the fan cast was sending me, I hope you're, I hope you're sitting down for this. Uh, Paul, what are your thoughts? It's probably just, uh, you know, a pipe dream for me still, isn't it? I, just not necessarily him being linked, but I think we have turned into Fort Knox under this new regime of the the front office. So with with any of the any of these rumors that that have come out, there's we we're always in there as somewhat of an afterthought. It's like oh, and also Brighton, Southampton, and Wolves. Like we're just thrown in there. There there really since Cunha, there hasn't been anything that's come out to real really put some substance on a name that is is possibly coming. I think the, the only other one is potentially the striker at Coventry, who I think the Express and Star have put some weight behind that. So is he one of those deals that there there's potentially something lined up with his second or third choice be it behind someone else? I, I don't know, but I think I think we're gonna see some more action uh in in this window for definite. Um so it's going to be interesting to see what plays out. But I think there'll be more more surprises and, and and more stuff happen quickly overnight than we've been used to more recently. Chris, between the two of us, who would be the first one that would order the Weston McKinney jersey if he got signed by Wolves? Actually, I think I could definitely see. Let's see here. Um, John, <laughs> I, I think you would order Weston McKinney. Alex would go Ricardo Pepe. Yeah. I think. Okay. <laughs> That's just my call. Because if you guys remember, like maybe two days later, yeah. there was a Ricardo Pepe 
all of, oh, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There, you know, Fosun's going big on the American market here. Pepe and Weston McKinney, you may you may have run home from Alabama. That, <laughs> I'm, you know, that would have been a big situation there. So, uh, so, yeah, I already have hashtag Weston to Wolves. I was trying to think of Pepe. I put one out there, but I wasn't happy with it. But then I thought Pepe to the pack. Hashtag Pepe to the pack. Oh, so nice. that's what we need. Weston to Wolves, Pepe to the pack. Chris, I know you got like 18 Twitter accounts now because all of them get hacked. So maybe with one, one of them you can. Tell you. I think it's been talking so much shit, really, to other fan bases. But that's why. <laughs> It is it is pretty glorious seeing you after games talk to people. It's it's like um but I, the reason I don't want to discount Weston McKinney or another big name midfielder is the fact that it's sounding like Neves to Barcelona probably going to be as close to a done deal um as it can get and then Nunes to or Matthias to uh, Liverpool also looks pretty good. Although I love the fact that it's like we're not making a single penny off of this little transfer to Liverpool. Like, no, go fuck yourself. So, um, Paul, do you imagine? Do you think either of those guys are on Wolves roster um, come the start of the next Premier season? And if so, would you rather have a replacement midfielder come in now or wait until the summer window? I think I'd probably wait till the summer in that you could you could still have that side built around Neves and I think even on Saturday it just shows that he's the fulcrum of this side and a lot went through him and he was pretty much bossing that midfield so I'd like to play play our strongest hand as possible through the remainder of this season and see what happens in the summer. Chris do you think both of those guys are gone? I tend to believe so. Um, I think Ruben Neves has been one hell of a steward of the badge um, the way that he's played since coming up from the championship and as a young guy. Mateus Nunez, uh, I think he was definitely a short-term signing just to get him into the Premier League, get him tested, see what he can do. And now that they've moved him to a 10, seeing what he's capable of. Um, you know, a lot of tweets went out the fact that he was hugging Jurgen Klopp after the game so I I tend to believe that Mendez will move those guys on. And um, I, I I will put this out there. I initially thought when Wolves were stooping around was Carlos Alvarez down in Ar- with Argentina mm-hmm. that he might be potential signing to be able for them to let go of Neves or Nunez during the summer window. So I think we'll inevitably end up signing somebody during the summertime. But it could be that slow burn again of where we're all sitting around until late July going, okay, what what are we doing? Because they got to free up that cash in order to spend. You mentioned one of uh, Alex's favorite uh, rumored players. Isn't that right, Alex? <laughs> yeah, I, I think he would be a great signing to just bring. Wolves don't really have a true 10 right now. Like they're plugging guys in there, but if they mm-hmm. had – from from what I read about him anyway and what you see on YouTube, um, he seems like he could come in and still play with Nevis and uh and Mateus, which would be 
really great. Like all due respect, like Joe Hodge and, and these guys coming in the lineup are great, but Wolves like are still kind of a two and a half midfielder team with Joe Martino. Give, I mean, he's putting in shifts. Don't get me wrong, but they're not much deeper there than they were even coming into this season. Now that Triore is a somewhat significant injury. You know who would have been a, a good solution? <laughs> Enzo Fernandez. <laughs> or he would have brought in 120 million pounds, you know, just oh, whatever. How has nobody lost a job over that? Well, I guess you could say. No, Matt Hobbs got promoted. He yeah. got promoted. <laughs> that goes to show you how ass backwards the situation is. I feel like if a genie granted me a wish and one of the wishes was I could ask Jeff She one question that he'd have to tell me the honest truth about, it would be what the hell happened in the Enzo negotiations? And if it was just they didn't want to wait until his season was over, I'd smack him. It was so short-sighted. Hope we never do that again. Um, Alex, you did mention Bubakar Traore out one to two months, which stinks because he's been really fun when he's been in there, bundle of energy. Um they brought up Nice midfielder Mario Lamina, who he was kind of talked about a few years ago when he was with Southampton. Um, kind of a diva, though, from what I gathered back then, especially considering he's not that great. Chris, is that somebody you'd be okay bringing in? I have to be honest. I haven't seen too much of him. I know I've read the rumors, but that doesn't strike me a diva in that locker room doesn't strike me as something that would go over well. I think it would be policed pretty handedly um, by the likes of a Diego Costa, who at one point was a diva himself. If not, is just an older graduated diva at this point. Um, Ruben Neves probably wouldn't put up with it. And, you know, I mean, I still think there's a little bit Connor Cody left in that locker room uh, in Max Kilman. I think he's just waiting to develop that leadership role. So it, it just doesn't seem like the right fit. And not with what Lapetegui is trying to build right now, a, a sense of team. Um, uh, an individual player just doesn't strike me as a fit. I actually would say Nathan Collins is more of the Cody right now than Kilman. Because um, I, I think he's I think he's a little more vocal. Paul, what do you think of the Lamina rumors? You like it? Uh, uh, there could well be some mileage there as a squad filler, especially in the likes of uh, Bubakar's injury, but I'm still an advocate for that more uh, attacking midfielder, either as uh, someone who can play a little deeper and run on and still complement a, a three in midfield or someone who can play the, the 10 in as a genuine role. I don't think we can we can be banking on Moutinho to be doing that week in, week out. Okay, so put you on the spot, Chris. How many signings before the end of January and what positions? I think we get two in. Um, I think there is a premium on striker. I know, you know, we've got a lot of B-rate guys right now at the striker position. Um, Wang, Raul, Diego. And I don't even know if some of them are B-rate, to be honest with you at this point. Um, but I think we're there. And on the back line, we go get some more support, hopefully at the right wing back position. Um, you know, Nelson Tomato is either hit or miss. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just the pendulum swings so much on him that it's crazy. I think they need more support there and a little more of a challenge in that position. Talking Wolves did link to a report that said uh, 
uh, Juan Basaka is still hopeful for Wolves on a loan. So that would be exciting. Paul, how many signings? What positions? Uh, I think the the optimist in me says three. Um, I really want a a veteran at centre back that that could come in and challenge Kilman and Collins for for one of those berths that is able just that that they can learn off and and be a guide for them to to kick on and and form more of a partnership that way. The flip side of that is whether, and we've not yet seen it, but is Lopetegui that good that he can iron out the mistakes that both of them have got? Because they're both very young with Kilman young in, in games, being the, the path that he took, and Collins young in age. Um, I, I, I'd still be tempted to in, invest in someone who could bring some solidity there. Um I, I could I could see another striker coming in, but I don't see it as a necessary as as the starter. So that's where I could possibly see someone coming in to more take up a uh, a place off the bench, who's more developmental. And by developmental, that could be from Gorky's from Coventry that could come in and knows where the back of the net is, but they're willing to gamble on someone that can maybe do it in the Premier League without spending a a bunch load of money who in in a few months will be happy with with a role off the bench to begin with. Uh, I would like my attacking midfielder, potentially a right back if we're lucky. Um, that could be one Picasso, but I think a lot of the narrative that you hear, and especially in January, that other teams have got to find replacements first. I think that's probably the the least likely because... I doubt Manchester United are going to gamble on letting him go, even if he is a reserve, predominantly now, without having someone that they can call upon because he, he has been playing. So um, let, let's go for three. Three. Alex? Yeah, I, I'm i with Chris on the two, and I think one, and I think we all agree, is going to be a defender of some sort. It just stinks that Juan Basaka is actually playing now, and it's actually because of injury. Because otherwise, I think he'd have a real urgency to get out of there. Mm -hmm. um, but now I feel like he's going to stay. Uh, so I'll go for a center back, uh, someone with Premier League experience, um, which Lopetegui said he wants. And then, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. Like they're 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 linked to a high volume of high upside attacking midfielders. So just give me one of them, you know, <laughs> whether it's Alcaraz from Argentina. I saw another rumor that as a Greek American also got me very excited. They were linked to the Greek Messi, Giannis Constantelias. Uh, bring him on. Like, screw it. Why not? Like, he's dominating the Greek Super League. He's 18 years old. Like, just just someone with upside that when Moutinho's gone and Nevis is inevitably, inevitably gone, we feel like, okay, we have a midfielder that we can get excited about who's going to, you know, three years from now be rumored to all these big clubs for a big transfer fee. Like Enzo Fernandez. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, well, yeah, <laughs> except that one happened a little quicker. <laughs> uh, I'm also going to say three. I think, I think right back something's going to happen. Cause I think Samato might go and I, I wouldn't be surprised if wolves let him go, even if they take a loss on the investment. Um, I do think center back and I think midfielder 
as well. Um, now, Alex, I have said if Weston McKinney and Ricardo Pepe end up on Wolves by the end of January, uh, I'm going to run through Molyneux with a, a full USA bodysuit. Are you going to join me? Um, yes, but my question is, is that before or after the kidney surgery? I don't advise you running out there in the cold <laughs> post surgery. I think you gotta I think you gotta get That's that true. one in. I gotta before. think about this. Yeah. I gotta I, yeah, I gotta think about this. So you, you uh, owe the world a kidney if, if McKinney. I do is owe at, the at world Wolves. a kidney. Wow. <laughs> I, I have I have been talking a lot about the kidney for Weston McKinney. So uh yeah. Yeah, that, I yeah, if it gets it done, it gets it done, right, guys? <laughs> Save a life, get a McKinney. There we go. <laughs> the win win. I, oh. I think so. I think so. After going to all those Alabama games, how is your kidney doing? I don't know if they're going to want it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I drink a lot of whiskey, too. Oh, there you go. <laughs> they may go. Yeah. That's okay. Uh, nothing that a bathtub full of ice can't take care of, though. And here to help us preview Saturday's game against West Ham from the West Ham Way USA podcast, it is Brawley Darbin. Brawley, how's it going? Uh, we've been better. I've been better, but uh, hopefully things are starting to turn back around. But uh, as for me personally doing well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, not a problem. So uh, you guys are kind of in a similar situation to us. It mm. sounds like Wolves are going to try and buy their way out of relegation. Can mm. we anticipate something similar from West Ham? Uh, I would anticipate our money was spent in the summer. We spent close to 200 million pounds. I think it was something like 160 something million pounds. We were like the sixth biggest spenders in the world in uh, the summer. So uh, I would anticipate we'd stay pretty much as is for January. Um, I think we've betted in too many players, probably, uh, as it is. And that's one of the reasons David Moyes is struggling so much. Uh, but, I mean, maybe one or two. And if I wouldn't be shocked if we had two loans in rather than buy anyone. So I don't see us using the transfer market as a, a way for us to get out of the position that we're in. You just mentioned Moyes, his struggles then, Brawley. Yeah. How how hot is his seat, both in your opinion and what do you picture the, the general consensus amongst the fan base? Um, there's no denying that David Moyes has done an incredible job here for us uh, in the fact he's had two stints here with us now and kept us up the first time, kept us up this most recent time, took us to Europe consecutive seasons, and now we are massively struggling. Uh, I, I would say the consensus among West Ham fans is probably 80-20 want him to go. And I fall in that camp. It's just, uh, I don't know what it is about modern day football, but it just seems like the shelf life of a, a decent manager is about two, two and a half years. And after that, it just starts to go stale. And I just think we're at that point with David Moyes now where the 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 training uh, is getting stale. You know, the same voice in the, in the dressing room is getting stale and old and 
uh, it's just gotten to a point where it's probably time to move on. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible for him to turn it around. I just think that um, he doesn't do himself any favors uh, either. I mean, we play such defensive, uh, I don't want to say boring, because, I mean, we we were good on the counterattack, and that was what made us so good in Europe. Uh, all the, all that is gone. Now we just set up not to concede goals and we're not scoring them either. So that becomes a problem. And especially when you, you spend 40 million pounds on an Italian international striker, uh, it's Italy's number nine. We, we can't seem to get him going or feed him the ball. We have Brazil's number seven and Lucas Paqueta. Uh, we, I think we're finally just starting to get him going, which is good. But when you, can't get a tune out of so many players and, and there's a, tr- a history. I mean, we had Sebastian Allaire three years ago and David Moyes couldn't get a tune out of him either. It seems to be a recurring theme that if you get big names, big personalities, Moyes cannot seem to get the best out of them. And that for me is the most alarming thing and why I think it's now time to move him on and, and get someone else in the door. So I know I'm long winded in my answer, but that's kind of the way of thinking uh, as far as the board goes, I think the board backed David Moyes massively. I also think they're kind of skint from the money that we just spent in the summer and don't really want to pay someone off early as well. So I think they will hold off until the very last second if they are to sack him and bring someone else in. That's kind of where I think we're at right now. I don't see David Moyes leaving anytime soon. Uh, if we lose to Wolves and we lose the game after that, I believe, is Everton. If we lose both of those games – uh, I if I'm the board, I'm seriously having just to to pull the plug. I mean, that's six Happy points you've now just dropped to yeah to yeah to, to relegation <laughs> um, equals. I mean, the people that are down the uh, teams that are down there in the relegation. So I would anticipate, I would hope the board would make a move if we lose both of those games. But I, whether that that'll happen or not, I'm not sure. So unlike Wolves, uh, you guys fielded a pretty strong lineup in your FA Cup match, which was a 1-0 win over Brentford. Um, Just curious if, one, that was unexpected, and two, if you thought that was the right move given the league position, uh, are you uh, up for the cup? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, Was I surprised? Not at all. David Moyes has to save his job, and I think that – is a somewhat small statement. I mean, Brentford basically played their B team. So uh, the fact that we won, not a surprise. Uh, Are we up for the cup? So people forget we're also in the last 16 of the Europa conference league that we're still in that that will pick back up. I believe in March uh, that we actually have a strong chance of going to win. I mean, we could in theory get relegated and qualify for the Europa league next year, which would be madness. uh, And something that, uh, relegation would I, I and I genuinely I really don't think that we're going to get relegated I'm just going to put that out there right now I don't think we're going to get relegated um but does the cup game does the I would say if it was the league cup I would be wanting to get out of pretty much ASAP that's a competition we don't really need to be in I still find the FA Cup very magical and uh just something and we, we haven't won a trophy since 1980 I mean it's been what what is that 40 two years now 43 years I my math's terrible but uh so would we be up for the the cup still am I disappointed that we played a full strength squad not at all I'm glad we did I, I can't believe Saeed Ben Rama didn't get the start against his former team David Moyes seems to have an agenda against him doesn't want to play him he comes off the bench scores an absolute screamer to win it um so I, I was happy for that so yeah I'm glad we're still in the FA Cup we got Darby away in the next round which is a good draw um uh, 
for us, uh, Darby, a team that we haven't seen probably since we were in the championship in 2011-12. So uh, we'll be excited to go back there. They're flying in League One, so it won't be an easy one. But, uh, yeah, again, I'm long-winded in my answer, but I, I, I'm, I'm glad we're still in the Cup. That's definitely uh, – I don't see that as a hindrance at all right now. But um, – and hopefully, you know, I truly believe winning breeds confidence. I mean, I think Wolves would have taken a big load of confidence off of their game against Liverpool – um, even if it was the B team or, you know, a bunch of changes, it, it sucks. You got to replay. I, I was listening to the game and it sounded like it was a very tight decision that allowed that, <laughs> that ruled out your goal. I haven't seen it, uh, but it, it seemed, uh, seemed like you guys are probably pretty disappointed not to have won the game. I mean, I, I saw a robbery in plain sight, but that, that's near here or there. But so was it was it offside? I know I know we're not here. No, no, it was not offsides. <laughs> was, that the, was that the decision though? It was offside. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, I, I wanted Liverpool to crash out. I was rooting for you guys there. So. Inter- interesting is a word. Yes. <laughs> so back on to Saturday, Brawley. Uh, yeah. You mentioned about a defensive setup. Uh, what you're anticipating lineup wise and that mindset traveling away from home in what's an important and maybe close to a a six point game at this stage. Yeah, very true. Um, I think that we will set up five at the back, which is what David Moyes has been trying to do for quite some time. We should be getting Kurt Zuma back from injury, which is good for us. We just got Naif Aguerd back from uh, injury and he's a Moroccan international. He was, playing every game for them in their miracle run up until the semifinal where he, he got injured. We got him back. Um, so I, I anticipate us going five at the back. Uh, again, pretty defensive. It's probably something similar to what you guys used to run back under. Um, well, who was your last manager? I can't, I'm blanking on the name. Or two managers ago now. Nuno. Oh yeah. Nuno, Nuno Spirito Spirito Santo. Says, yes. Yeah. Uh, it's a very similar setup as to what he uh, used to run that you guys were so uh, dominant at uh, I, that's what I anticipate you know uh, getting players down the wing and trying to lump in crosses the, the problem with us this year is we are lumping in these crosses to absolutely no one it's just our crossing has been so shit uh, and our set plays which we used to be so good at have been terrible um, but that's kind of the way I think we're going to sit off you I think we're going to let you guys try to come on to us and and potentially hit you on the break. But uh, am I confident in that? Not at all. Uh, but I, that's kind of the way I think we're going to go. We'll, you, uh, hopefully, I think Skamaka will be back from injury to start up front. So hopefully we don't have to see Mikhail Antonio, who's been struggling. And, um, you know, I just uh, – it, it's just – it's kind of boring football right now for us. And I know res- we need result, and that's really what matters at the end of the day. Um, I'm not sure how Wolves do when teams sit off of them. Uh, we struggle massively. We can't break teams down when they sit off of us. So I'm hoping that you guys will play a little bit of open football and and be a little susceptible on the on the counter attack. That's the only way I really see us winning, if I'm honest. But um, so yeah, to to say I'm not confident going into this game uh, would be an understatement. Uh, it's just a game that I think we have to get something out of. And again, I'm not very confident on that right now.
All right. Well, thanks to Brawley Darbin from West Hamway USA podcast, getting us ready for Saturday's game. Of course, we do have a game on Wednesday. It starts at 2.45 p.m. Eastern, 1.45 Central. And it's another cup game, this time the Carabao Cup. Quarterfinals against Nine and Forest. Paul, what kind of lineup are we going to see? Are we going to see Wolves going full at trying to win this thing? I think they'll be a little stronger than we were on Saturday. Um, I could see Sarsic keeping his place in goal, but I could see uh, Samedo coming in for Lembekissa, even though he did well. I think just the quick turnaround in games uh, for a youngster, that'll be uh, a, a little too much to handle. So I could see him coming back in, maybe the centre-half pairing staying Um so uh, I think it could be similar to Saturday and hopefully uh, a similar performance. Chris, we have a pretty good draw here with Nottingham Forest in the quarterfinals. Do you think that makes it a, hey, let's go for this? Yeah, I think so, especially being against Forest, a team that we're battling down in the relegation zone just to prove that we're the better club. Um, and in particular, to give them some incentive, to play, something to play for, a trophy. Uh, I know, obviously you know, staying up in the Premier League, that against West Ham, the match coming up, that is more important. But I do think coming off the game, the loss or the draw at Liverpool, excuse me, um, I think it's going to be a hungry club. I really do. Um, they're pissed off. They're going to go in there with something to prove. And and the fact it's against MGW, I don't, I know, you know, that still means something to those guys. Seeing the payday that he got, I, I still think mm. it means something to them. And uh, I expect them to come out with a head full of steam in that game. And I, I, I think they walk out with the win. That's interesting. Yeah, I, you know, I always wonder what kind of effect he has just because he didn't seem like he was the most well-liked guy in that locker room. But um, that is interesting, bringing the, the pay into there as well. Um, Paul, you mentioned who you thought was going to be in keeper. Do you think Saw should get that opportunity instead? Or just because it's a cup game, go with the, you know, what is usually the norm, which is the backup. Yeah, I think so. Again, giving credit to the guys that have gotten to this point originally. Uh, and then specifically for a goalkeeper, that the, the more games you're able to play, then you, you, you're a little sharper, you're not so rusty. So back-to-back starting for Sarch, it's just it could do doing quite well. I think we sh- it should also be considered like FA Cup's going to be tough. They still have to beat Liverpool a second time. Wink. Um, and then the next one's going to be against uh, Brighton. Just horrible draws in the FA Cup. So I say, yeah, take advantage um, in this cup while you have a chance. Um, and then the big game on Saturday, which is going to be at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central, against West Ham. Paul, this this is near and dear to us because it's the Knicks place uh Derby. Is this an is this a must win, Paul? Or at least gotta get a point? It's a it's a not lose. And I'd <laughs> I'd really like it to be a, a must win because I just feel that if we can if we can win on Wednesday and, and win on Saturday, that will be the turn in the road that the Slopatigi team has been looking for that it's been gradual up to this point i genuinely think that if that happens if, if we get the progress in the cup and then we get the win on uh we get the win on saturday 
that's a real forward momentum to to kick out of the the bottom places the the next thing is is the games that are coming up as well and it would be nice to go into those bigger teams uh who are at the top of the league with somewhat of a of a cushion in terms of points and especially points that you've not only won but you've stopped a, a rival who's in the similar spot from getting that could be crucial Chris, what are your thoughts? Would you be disappointed if it's only a draw? No, not necessarily. I mean, West Ham is one point ahead of us currently in the standings, right? I would love to see three points. I know they're going to come out playing for their head coach. Uh, David Moyes' job's always been rumored to be on the line over the last couple of weeks. So you have to wonder if, you know, if they have the heart to play for him first and foremost on their side. But uh, – like I was suggesting earlier, you know, we're trending so well. It is a lot of games in a short period of time. But I think these guys are, are ready for this, and they know what they have to do and the task that's ahead of them. And that that is, I believe, a monumental three points, not only for their psyche, but in the standings. And when you look at it that way, it's if you walk away with anything less than that, yeah, it's dejecting, not only for supporters, but for the team especially. If Wolves get three points on Saturday, Chris, scale of one to 10, what's your confidence level on Wolves avoiding relegation this year? One to 10, I would say a strong seven. I think that's how important that game is to them. I'm not going to say it was as important as Everton. I would have put that at like a nine, 9.8. But yeah, I think that's a very strong indication. West Ham's been a team that's been trending down. We've been trending up lately. So it's just a, a middle-of-the-road situation there. But I, I really believe it's almost as big as Everton. But it's definitely a proving ground if they're willing to take that next step to crawl out of the, the basement here. How about you, Paul? One to ten on the scale. I, I think if we win on uh, if we win on Saturday, that's like a, an eight out of ten reassurance that we're not going to be relegated. Yeah, I think I think that's about right. Um, big lineup question here. I think Diego Costa still hurt, so he might not play. Maybe he's making more eggs at home and posting them on Snapchat. I don't know what the deal is there. Um, so one or both of these games, does Cunha start? Just one or both? Paul? I say both. I say give it um Give him sixty minutes on Wednesday. See how, how far he's see how far he's able to go into the game, and then use that as a baseline to see what you can get out of him on Saturday. I think he wouldn't have signed at this stage in the season for potentially the amount of money that he's, he's going to cost us if he wasn't going to come in and make an immediate difference. So I think the sooner they get him up to speed, both in terms of integrating within the team. And the minutes that he can get under under his belt, the better. Chris, what do you think? I mean, I would love to see number nine get a start, you know, but I don't <laughs> think it's going to happen. Um, boy, Raul's really been not in La Petite's favor. But I would like to see Cunha start both games. I do agree with Paul. I think he needs to log some substantial minutes and then maybe get some relief from off the bench. Um, that, that 60 to 70 mark, that would really, I believe, be a, a nice situation to see where he is um, with his 
physical, how he handles the physicality first and foremost in playing mm-hmm. in this new league and how well he connects with his guys up front. Um, but I, ideally Cunha starts both games for me. I think back to your point about Raul, what's been overlooked a little is on Saturday, that was the first time that he'd started a game since when Preston in the league cup in yeah, September, August, right? August, mm. September time. That's a heck of a long time. If you think about it. Mm-hmm. So, I think people may have had the 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 somewhat wrong thinking that he's been fit all that that time, which he obviously hasn't been. He's, he's come back from from an injury, and it's definitely one thing to be match fit. It's a whole other thing to be match sharp, and I think that's what was really missing on Saturday from Raúl that he's fit to start possibly now. But he's not got that match sharpness. So will that come back? I think everyone would love it if it does. But I think that's getting overlooked a little at the moment in terms of his his role within the team, role within the squad and, and what the expectations of, of, of him are through the end of the season. By the way, Paul, how nice is it to look at the bench and go, I know some of these guys are going to come in at the 60th minute to make an impact. Okay. Yeah. It's a mind-blowing concept, really. You know, just only every other team in the Premier League has adopted that before Wolves. <sighs> I feel th- th- there's just such a breath of fresh air under Lopetegui, just watching him on the sidelines, looking at how he's adjusting and everything. He's not going to make every sub right, every formation, but, man, he's he's throwing a lot out there, which I like to see. All right, so we're going to go to predictions. Uh, Much like Wolves, Paul is trying to get himself out of relegation and has gone on a nice little streak. The last four games, you've got seven points, Paul. So you have jumped up now. Our guest spot is still in the first spot with 19. Alex, unfortunately, um, was out for four games. So he didn't get any points. He's in third with 15. I've got 17. But Paul, you're up to 13 points. So you are only six off of the guest spot, which is the top. So we're going to have the the two games here. We're going to have the first one, which is Nine and Forest. Uh, Chris, I'll let you start off since you're the guest. Uh, thank you for that. I I'm going to go 2-1 Wolves. I think Cunha gets a goal, and uh, let's see who else, who else is going to be a contributor here. Let's go with the Wanger. Why not? He's got the positive vibes going right now. He's got a little bit of luck on his side. Maybe it uh, opens the floodgates for him. We'll go with uh, Wang. I like it. I like it, Alex. Uh, I also see multiple goals from Wolves. Uh, if we're playing our starters. I could get a clean sheet. I I'll go two nil just to be a little different. Um, and uh, I think maybe eight Nori finally nets one. Um, coming off that that left side here, Bueno. I think one of the two because they both like to get forward. They're both getting shots in. I'm I'm loving what I'm seeing from them. Paul, I'm going to add some enhanced excitement into it. I'm going to say that. The game itself is going to be a 2-2 draw, but Wolves are going to progress with a <laughs> victory on penalties. Wolves penalty. You know, you said that against Leeds too, that exact prediction. Oh. 
what am I gonna say? Um, I'm still not confident in the um, the new keeper, the backup keeper. So I'm gonna say, but I am confident in Wolves coming out pissed, like Chris said. Three one Wolves. Wow. Three one Wolves. Yep. All right. You're so Four used to West. seeing the Bama scores. That's why running up the score on people, you think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I like it. Look, I'm not going to lie. That Kansas State Bama game was quite uh, fruitful for me on the 31st. <laughs> <laughs> I took that uh, spread as high as I could and I still got it. Nice. Okay, Chris, uh, West Ham, what do you got? Oh, that's a toughie. Um, like we, we were talking about earlier, you know, it's such a big game when it comes to relegation for both clubs. I, I think that one's going to be a tough one. I think at this point, you know, where the fitness level has been, this has been a tough road, run of games. The bench is not that deep. I think it'll end in a one, one draw. I'm going to give us a draw on that one, but I think it's going to be a hard fought draw. Okay. Alex. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say the same. Um, I hope this doesn't become a trend under Lopetegui, but one thing that I think is kind of interesting is I feel like Wolves' best performances are on the road. They have not really been great and convincing at Molyneux, so I think it could be like a 1-1, but instead of at Villa where it felt like one they should get, they go down and they get a late goal, and uh, we we feel good about the point coming out of it, I hope. Paul? I was a little bit put off when Brawley was saying about a West Ham team that could show up and, and act ultra defensive and the ability that we've got to to break them down. So it, it's funny. I think uh, the status of Pedence is going to be crucial come Saturday and, and where he fits in if he is available to come back in. Uh, that's why I, I'm pushing myself that we have Cunha start and, and be the main man. Um, I'll, I'll add to, I think if we score first, we're going to win. Um, mm-hmm. I'll back us. I'll say we're going to, we're going to win one nil. Uh, Paul, you're stealing my prediction. I was also going to say one nil and I am going to say one nil. I think it'll be, I, I, I think it'll be late too. I think it'll, I think wolves will kind of turn up the gas looking for that point. Uh, a little bit late for it. All right, Alex, what do we have for no stupid questions this week? A couple of good ones this week. Um, you can always tweet your questions for no stupid questions into uh, our show Twitter account, WLW Pod on Twitter is where you find us. First, we'll start with Michael Moser, who simply says, can you explain the FA Cup? Since I'm new to football, I'm not sure exactly what it is or really anything about it. And it was a great question. I talked to him as well because he was like, wait, there's two cups. So, Paul, do you want to explain what the two cups are? Sure. So FA Cup is the, the Football Association Cup. That's the what the acronym's for. And that is the whole pyramid of English football, even into the, the amateurs that you, you play on a Saturday and you go to work on a Monday. So I think qualifying for, for the competition would start something crazy in in july yet the the professional teams don't come into it till later and then 
the top tier teams don't come into it till the start of January in, in what's the third round. You've got two previous rounds that come before that and then a whole bunch of qualifying just to get into the the the, the official cup as it is. So it really is it, it's open to uh it's open to anyone really in the in the football association pyramid that you could be a a, a non-league team that um that plays on a Saturday you could go on a miraculous run and end up playing Manchester City in the in the third round so uh that's why they often say that the magic of the cup there's often a a Cinderella story of a lower league team that goes on a a miraculous joint killing run and and ends up in a in a quarter final or even a semi final sometimes. So it's got the mystique that uh, on any given Sunday, some someone can win it. Uh, what about the Carabao is, Cup? Yeah, Carabao Cup is is what was used to be known prior to the uh, the lure of ghastly sponsorship from all these crazy names that no one's ever heard of. That is a a cup competition solely for the the professional teams. So that starts out from the from really the the league two league one teams championship Premier League teams again now there's some differences about when a Premier League team comes in and starts a tournament and I think Europe can factor in on that as well now but that's along similar lines that you could be playing a team from from a lower league and there's still opportunity for them to knock one of the big guns out and progress so. Um, both of those offer a route into qualifying for Europe as well. So it's not as prestigious as it once was in terms of there isn't a Champions League qualification attached to them. But I think the FA Cup brings about a Europa spot now and the League Cup would bring a, a conference berth. So there is still definitely something to play for, for for the likes of Wolves and those teams in the Prem that if you can avoid the, the big guns until the, the semi or the final, you've got a good chance of winning a, a cup, which we haven't done like West Ham since 1980. There can be a chance to actually win some silverware and get ourselves back into some sort of European competition. Sticking with the uh, cup theme, Steve Young asks, uh, what's more likely to happen? Wolves winning the league cup this year or an official apology from the FA after that farce at Anfield. You want to start that, Chris? <laughs> Is this the Steve Young that finally got his monkey off his back when he was Super Bowl? <laughs> Sadly, no. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I I'm gonna go League Cup. I don't think there's any chance in hell or unless a miracle happens that the FA is gonna send out a letter of apology. Um, and probably in hell, you know, one day will be, uh, the man who was in charge of VAR that day, Mike Dean. So, you know, <laughs> he finally gets to wear red and that's a good thing because, you know, he's a cool fan. So yeah, I think uh, a chance the league cup, I, you know, the way lapetegui has got him going. I, I think there's a better chance of that situation. Could be wrong. Paul. Yeah, I think it's got to be League Cup. Even the likes of Man City still in the tournament, I think we've got a much better chance there than getting favour from uh, from anyone else. But I think that's where we are in in the competition. Really, it's a case of avoiding the biggest team till the final and seeing if you can get some 
look on the day. Um, but then the semi, the semi-final does go to two legs. So you play that game both home and away. So who knows? It's not like it can be decided just over 90 minutes. So let, let's go for a cup. <laughs> All right. And then the final uh, no stupid question for this week from Todd DeWitt. You can put Diego Costa into any horror movie. Which one do you pick and why? Um, It's absolutely the mummy. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's dead. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was going to say, I know what you did last summer because we do know it was party and lounge until Wolves <laughs> called you in September and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> it could also be the blob. I don't know. <laughs> I've got, uh, I, I think he looks a little like, well, he doesn't really, but this is the, the angle I'm taking. He's got a hint of a, a younger Jeff Goldburn to him. So I'm going to say the fly that he's getting on in age and his body parts are falling off. So, <laughs> oh, man. you know, my wife is still disgusted by Jeff Goldblum to this day because of that movie. Any movie he's he's in, she just is like, freaked out by she that was it. that was the first r movie that i saw as like a kid i was like less than 10 and it absolutely scared, <laughs> the, scared the living shit out of me so i've yet to watch it again since since then so that mentally scarred chris what do you think i'm gonna go with saw because years ago you saw him be good and now he's <laughs> not. so that that would be my horror flick I've got to say, where does Todd come up with these questions? They are always so fantastic. I love them. Love them. <laughs> Nothing beats the hide-and-seek one, though. I still think that's my favorite that he gave us. <laughs> Truly in the spirit of uh, no stupid questions. So uh, <laughs> keep them coming each week. Uh, again, submit them on Twitter. WLWpod is the Twitter handle, or you could email them. Uh, hello at wholelotofwolves.com is where you get us there. All right, as we wrap it up here, Chris, how can people uh, get a hold of you online? I should probably wow, that's, know this. That's as well. a great question. Who knows? <laughs> I might have a new Twitter handle by tomorrow with all the <laughs> hacking going on here. Uh, my current one is Chris underscore Fisher, but I do have a previous one <laughs> at Chris Fisher 07 that I should be reacquiring very soon. Uh, that one's a little easier to find with a blue check mark. Actually, the blue check mark rules have all changed now, thanks. <laughs> so, who knows if that's still there? We'll find out. It should be fun. It's kind of like the whole Diego Costa thing. Who's going to show up? We don't know. But I do have <laughs> in many forms. Uh, and and now that I'm getting to talk to you in person here, uh, um, Paul, we have to say go Astros, right? You guys do see, wait, you, you, oh, wait, here we go. Let's just take you on a tour around the room here. Hold on. I am wearing my Wolves dedicated hat, but I will close out with. With this Phillies batting helmet. Oh, yeah. I saw a Mike Schmidt jersey back there. Oh, yeah, that's a Schmidt jersey back there, too. Yes. Yeah, nice. I've got props for days in here, unfortunately. <laughs> On to this week's games. If you're a local listener in Houston, we've got back-to-back -back watch parties both on Wednesday and Saturday. Our bar, Nick's Place, that's going to be opening early for us on Saturday morning. Alex mm -hmm. of New York Wars got anything scheduled? 
Yep. Uh, you can always uh, find us at McHale's. It's on 51st Street in Midtown. We'll have a watch party there, 10 a.m. Eastern kickoff. Uh, if you're near the tri-state area, make it into the city. Come on by. It's always a good time. You'll find us in the back with a New York Wolves flag. Sound cranking. We'll be ready. Yes. And we will be back same time. Same place next week. These games come thick and fast with the Liverpool replay on Tuesday, January 17th, and then a trip to the Etihad for Man City the following Sunday. So in the meantime, up the mighty Wolves. Whole Lot of Wolves is self-funded, so if you're interested in sponsorship opportunities as a way to reach a niche audience, email hello at wholelotofwolves.com for our sponsor packages. Just want to make a contribution as a listener who enjoys the show? Then head to buymeacoffee.com slash WLWpod. That's buymeacoffee.com slash WLWpod. We greatly appreciate any contribution. Up the Wolves.